good morning. Thank you for taking the time to gather as the church. And I don't know about you, but I love this time of year. I love the season. Uh, I love the get-togethers. I, I love the, the music. Uh, I just It's a joy to, to be together uh, during this season of the year. And things like <clears throat> Christmas decorations that go up. I'm so thankful in, for individuals that are willing to, to take the time and, and to do those things. And I, I thank Thanking God, we had a great time at our progressive supper for the youth group and the, the homes that were opened up to the youth group and the interactions that take place outside of this building. Uh, I think those are things that help our kids grow in their faith and remain faithful to the church and to God as they grow up into their adult lives. And so I appreciate those who are willing to do that. And lots of other things, including our uh, celebration dinner that will take place right after this service. And so if you didn't know anything about it, Please still come because there's going to be lots of food, and it's just a celebration of a Thanksgiving and Christmas time, and just the fact that we as a church are family, and that's why we get together, that's why we honor God through our presence, that's why we as brothers and sisters in Christ uh, depend on one another, and so I hope that you'll stick around even if you didn't bring anything, because again, there's going to be lots of food downstairs immediately following this service. Over the next four weeks, we're going to once again journey to Christmas, and I want each and every one of us to journey to Christmas with Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, with Jesus, and even with each other and beyond. If you haven't had a chance to uh, experience the Sights and Sounds Theater, Sights and Sound Theater down in uh, Branson, Missouri, I would encourage you to look that up, maybe book a trip down there, because it's a really neat experience. It's a location, it's a Christian organization that uh, they put on reenactments from Scripture, and of course they, they have uh, artistic uh, liberties that they add in. But the neat part about the artistic liberties that they add to the reenactments is that it just really brings to life what's taking place. In fact, uh, we've been able to go down and, and we got to experience Moses there at the Sights and Sound Theater in Branson, as well as about two years ago, around this time of the year, in fact, it's maybe just before Thanksgiving a couple years ago, uh, we got to experience the miracle of Christmas. And as you're there in this auditorium that seats, I don't know, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, I don't know, lots of people, and it fills up, and you're there with your eight kids like everybody has, right, okay? And, uh, and you're trying to keep very calm and quiet, and you're getting ready, and, and, and things take place in that theater where maybe on this one side, things light up. And there's a scene that's taking place all the while. There's people that are getting ready over here. And, and then this scene, the lights drop over here and lights come on over here. And, and then pretty soon there's animals that come down through the middle aisle. And, and you're like, what is going on? And, and, and it just it reminds me of the reality that as we look at Scripture, these are not just stories in a storybook. But these are real people dealing with real-life scenarios uh, just at our preschool, our, our, our school preschool program just the other day, yesterday I guess it was, a lot took place yesterday. Uh, it, yesterday morning there, there was a, a preschool Christmas program for our, our Christian school and uh, Miss Susan put together a little narrative that I got to read and it kind of began, you know, with this idea of long, long time ago and then I was like, wait, wait a second, that, that's how fairy tales begin. You see, the Christmas story 
It's true. It's not a fairy tale. It's absolute. And we can go to God's word, and as we go to God's word, I want to be reminded and, and remind you this morning that, again, Mary and Joseph, as they journey to Christmas, they're real people, a real woman and a real man that are dealing with real life situations, and they're, they're dealing with struggles, they're dealing with real fears, they're dealing with real doubts. They, they have victories in their lives. They have families and extended families that they're having to, to work with and try to accommodate. And there's all these emotions that are going on. And there's these ups and these downs. And Mary and Joseph, they're real people that are in the moment. And as they go through everything they're going through, I think sometimes we forget that they don't know what's going to happen on the other end. They don't know exactly, well, this is what's going to happen, Mary. This is what's going to happen, Joseph. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. Here's the end of the story. No, they don't get that. They're in the moment, just like you and I are in the moments of our lives. And so just like them, we have to trust God. They were willing to trust in God, and so must we. And in order to fully appreciate the miracle of Christ's birth, I'd like to pull back the curtain of your imaginations and invite you to journey with me back to the first century and join me in Mary and Joseph's journey to Christmas. Will you pray with me? God, this morning, may your word speak, and may it speak in a way that we hear it fresh and new. May your word go forth and, and have an impact in our lives that it also might have an impact in the lives of people that we come in contact with. And so, God, we're grateful for your word, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides us and directs us and, and helps us know what your word teaches. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. If you are willing and able to this morning, will you stand with me as we turn to Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. If you'll follow along, verses 26 through 38 of Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who has said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. 
Then the angel left her. You may be seated. And so as we journey with Mary and Joseph this morning to Christmas, again, I just wanted to be reminded that these are people just like you and I. People that are dealing with some of the very same things that you might be dealing with this morning. People that had plans, and yet as we look at these verses, there's some things that I want to acknowledge and, and lessons that I want to, to look at for our own lives. And the very first thing that I see as you look at these verses is that at times in our lives, our plans are not God's plans. Our plans are not God's plans. And it begins right here in, in the first chapter of the book of Luke. And the Bible says, verses 26 and 27, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of Mar David. The virgin's name was Mary. You see, Mary and Joseph, they had some plans that they were going to get married. And as you think about your own life, and maybe you're single currently, maybe you have plans, maybe you have plans not to ever be married, I don't know. But maybe as you go through this life, you have these ideas of what's going to take place. And as you look at kind of these verses, there's not a ton of background information that we're given on this young couple. But we learn quite a bit from it. The few verses that we do have. The fact that Mary lived in Nazareth means that she came from humble beginnings. And according to historians, Nazareth was known it, it was known for not a whole lot. It was a small, insignificant town on the outskirts of a Roman fort. It was a conservative town clinging to traditional Jewish culture in a world that had been radically affected by the Greek thought and culture. It is believed that Nazareth most likely had a population of around 400 people, which means if you've ever lived in a small town of around 400 people, that everyone knows you, and you know everyone, and everyone knows your business, right? Okay? And so there's this setting of this Nazareth. And Matthew tells us that Joseph, he was a carpenter. In those days, the job of a carpenter was to plan and build homes and manufacture household furniture. And if Joseph resembled the religious, hard-working class of his Jewish colleagues, he wouldn't consider marriage until he was at least 25 years old. But Mary, on the other hand, was probably no more than 15 when the angel Gabriel appeared to her. Marriages like Mary and Joseph's were, were kind of negotiated usually between the parents of both families and since neither of them were came from wealthy families that really wasn't an issue but both Mary and Joseph came from the proud lineage of King David some 28 generations down the line which made Mary and Joseph a match made in heaven and from that moment Mary first caught Joseph's eye their lives would be intertwined forever. They both had big plans for their futures, I'm sure. Together, they, they would do what normal people did in Nazareth. They would work hard and, and have a family and make a life together. But once again, our plans are not always 
God's plans. I can imagine Mary at her house, sitting at the table, busy about her wedding plans, looking over the guest list and and running the numbers through the budget again and again, when all of a sudden an angel appears. And naturally, she's frightened and troubled, but the angel tells her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you, will, you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Luke 1, 30, and 30 through 33. And then he explains to her, That even though she's still a virgin, nothing is impossible with God. The Holy Spirit will come over her and the power of God would be contained within her womb. The power of God would be contained within her womb. I'm sure there's a million thoughts that were running through Mary's mind. How can this be? why Why did they pick me? What will my parents think? What, what will Joseph think? But all her concerns are pushed aside as she surrenders to God's will for her life. She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And I wonder how many of us this morning are, are truly willing to say that to God. God, here I am, use me as Isaiah says in scripture. Are we truly willing to put our plans aside in order for God's plans for our lives to take place? Are we willing to say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Could you say to God today, I am willing to do whatever you ask of me. Whenever you ask me to do it. However, wherever, God, I'm open to where you might lead me in my life. I just want to do what you want me to do, and I'm not, I'm not even going to ask any questions. God, I'm just willing to follow you. Are you willing to change your plans if God's plans are different than yours? Your plans aren't always going to be God's plans, and because of that, you need to be willing to change your plans. And we see that from Mary and Joseph. They, they changed their plans, and you have to be willing to change your plans. The Bible doesn't reveal Mary's conversation with Joseph, but my guess is, is that it didn't really go very well. I, I mean, you think about what's taking place in that conversation. The Bible says, though, this. From Matthew 1, verse 19, New Living Translation, Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. It's interesting, as you look at the the colorful cast of characters associated with Jesus' birth, Joseph is the lone silent member of the cast. 
Angels bring heavenly greetings. Mary sings a praiseful solo. Wise men worship and the shepherds preach. And Joseph is silent. No notable lines are attributed to him. No sound bites, no quotes, only silence. Yet his actions speak volumes. See, Joseph was in a situation where he clearly was heartbroken. He felt betrayed. He loved Mary, and he thought that she loved him. But now she's pregnant with someone else's child? Her explanation was unbelievable, even almost blasphemous. And Joseph, he could have stoned her at the city gate for adultery. Their marriage contract had already been signed. And to break the engagement at this point was no different than filing for divorce. But despite her impossible story of divine conception, despite the pain and disgrace she had caused him, Joseph was a good man. And he didn't want to hurt her in return. It would be hard for him to trust her again, but he couldn't bear to see her hurt or humiliated. So he planned to divorce her quietly. And you think about everything that's going on in Joseph's mind in that culture at that time with his family and, and Mary's family and, and all the plans they had and everything. And, and so needless to say, he wasn't sleeping real well. He tossed fitfully in his sleep and, and then God gives him this glimpse of his plan, God's plan for Joseph's life. An angel appears to Joseph in his dream and tells him, Joseph's descendant of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the baby in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Matthew 1, 20 and 21. Joseph was willing to change his plans. Are you? Are you willing to no longer head down the road that is leading to destruction in your life? Change your plans and give your life completely over to Jesus? Are you willing to quit the job that is pulling you away from Jesus? Change your plans and apply for a new job that encourages your relationship with Jesus? Are you willing to stop following the world's example and change your plans and finally marry the one you have been in relationship with for so long. If you are not where God wants you to be today, are you willing to change your plans and do what God wants you to do? See, Joseph, he didn't know how everything was going to turn out. He didn't know the exact end of the story, but guess what? He was willing to change his plans in order to follow God's plans. And I don't know if after the angel appeared, if Joseph sat on the, the edge of his bed just in, in amazement for a while, or if he flew out the door so fast that he forgot to tie his sandals. But one way or the other, I truly believe Joseph eventually wound up at Mary's door with flowers in one hand 
and a ring in the other hand. And Joseph took Mary as his wife, and Mary took Joseph as her husband. And this is where, for most people, the, the, the love story ends, right? The, the happy, happily ever after. But for Mary and Joseph's whirlwind wedding, this was only the beginning of their journey. If you are willing and able again to stand with me, will you turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was a governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and cloths and placed him in a manger because there, were, there was no room for them in the inn. You may be seated. And as we look at these final verses this morning, the third thing that I, I want to bring our attention to is that they trusted in God no matter what. There's going to be times in our lives that our plans, they don't match up with God's plans. And we have to be willing to change those plans. And as we change our plans to match up with God, we have to put our trust and our faith in Him completely. Joseph had decided to keep Mary a virgin until after their child was born. But before Mary even had the chance to start her Lamaze classes, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And unlike the door-to-door census that we experience here today, Mary and Joseph were required to return to their ancestral home to register, which meant taking a journey to Bethlehem. And you think about this journey that took place. Uh, for most people at that time, uh, the common form of travel was to go as a caravan. It, it just worked better. It, it was safer in case of an accident or an injury or a possible attack from bandits. As well, it was just more enjoyable to have people to hang out with as you're traveling and just enjoy that time together. And with a census like this involving as many people as it did, my guess is there were many, many caravans that you could find as you're heading to Bethlehem. And caravans would generally travel about 20 miles in a day. And the distance between Nazareth and Bethlehem is around 80 miles. And so if you do the math, that would translate into about a four-day journey. A four-day journey to Bethlehem. And can you imagine just hiking 20 miles a day? Through, you know, with, with wooden sandals on and, and through a barren land, wouldn't that just be really enjoyable? And you know what would be extra enjoyable would be being nine months pregnant, right? Yeah, nine months pregnant, you know, wooden sandals and, and just a barren land and, and they're trekking through 20 miles a day. And I don't know if, if Mary and Joseph were actually in a caravan, the scriptures don't say. Maybe they were, maybe 
the news, the rumors that had been spreading about uh, how Mary conceived her baby, you know, all those kind of things were taking place, and, and Joseph's tattered reputation, maybe they weren't in a caravan because maybe there weren't too many people that were wanting to hang out with him. I don't know. We, we don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't necessarily tell us, and it doesn't really tell us a, a ton about their journey as a whole, but what it does tell us is about their arrival. Luke sums up the first Noel like this in Luke 2, 6, and 7. While they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have the baby, and she gave birth to her first son because there were no rooms left in the inn. She wrapped the baby with pieces of cloth and laid him in a feeding trough. And can you imagine what it was like that first Christmas morning? The stable stinks like all stables do. The stench of urine and dung and sheep just reeks in the air. And the ground is hard and the hay scarce. And there's cobwebs clinging to the ceiling. And for many of you ladies, a mouse scurries across the dirt floor. Wouldn't that be so enjoyable? A lowlier place of birth could not exist. Yet it was in these humble circumstances that the impossible happened. God had entered the world as a baby. Mary's head rests on the soft leather of Joseph's saddle, the pain of childbirth eclipsed by wonder. She looks into the face of her baby, her son, her Lord. His majesty. At this point in history, the, the human being who best understands who God is and what he is doing is a teenage girl in a smelly stable. And she can't take her eyes off of him. She touches the face of the infant God. Majesty in the midst of the mundane, holiness in the filth of sheep, manure, and sweat. Divinity entering the world on the floor of a stable through the womb of a teenager and in the presence of a carpenter. See, when we are willing to trust in God no matter what, that's when God shows up. That's when God does amazing, miraculous things, when we completely and fully trust in Him. And this is just a glimpse into the, the journey of Mary and Joseph to Christmas. But the story isn't over because the end of the nativity story is really just the very beginning of the greatest story ever told. And it's a story that God has personally invited you to be a part of. And just as my family at the Sights and Sounds Theater just gets to absorb the story that's taking place, God is, is inviting each and every one of us to, to be more than just an audience, to, to, to do more than just watch and listen. But he invites us to be immersed into the experience, to play an active part in the story of his son and in the kingdom of Christ, a story and a kingdom which, as the angel reminded Mary, 
will never end. And so as the praise team comes, I I just want to extend that invitation to you. As you prepare for Christmas, please remember that God wants more than for you to simply see the Christmas story or just to hear the Christmas story. He longs for you to be a part of it, to experience it, and to be forever changed by it. If there's any way that we can be of help to you during this busy time of year, we just want to say we're here. If you need someone to pray with you, you're going through something that just needs God's intervention in, we want to pray with you. If you if you know that you've been kind of living your own life and you want to be a part of the story that God has planned for you, we'd invite you to come. We're going to sing a song of invitation. Will you stand with us? If you have a decision to make, will you please come as we sing?